Good afternoon. We're on the Curious Bodhi. Hope you're all well and happy over there. I want to thank Ron Purser for getting in touch from the Mindful Cranks podcast. We will do an interview about the release of his upcoming book in May, so watch out for that. And I want to also thank Monica from London who says, I stumbled upon your podcast on Spotify as I keep looking for such stuff, and I really like the simplicity of your podcasts. How you discuss the basic things of life that seem to appear so complex otherwise. Really like the talk on Hinduism by Kartik as being a Hindu, I could relate to it very well. Namaste. Appreciate your feedback, and hopefully more listeners get in touch and take the information into their soul, not just into their head. So I had the realization today that I'm in the cycle of death, birth, and caffeination. It's difficult to change habits, but that's why it's sort of counterintuitive to life to do this. People usually go from one extreme to the other. We have a hard night of drinking, and then we have a hard week of making up for it by detoxifying ourselves. With these extremes, it's difficult to settle and rest the mind for more important things. The Buddha recommended the middle way for exactly this reason. He went from the home life into homelessness to discover the truth. He tried six years of hardcore renunciation thinking that he would attain some realization through depriving himself. He really tried to avoid the other extreme, which was too much luxury. Well, that didn't work. All that happened to him was the inability to meditate, concentrate, or form a stable environment for himself. When he brought his body back to health, he attained liberation shortly after. We can find this story in the Maha Sachaka Sutta where the Buddha is challenging a devout Jain religious man who was also on the ascetic path. And I'll read you a little description. The Buddha said, What if I were to take only a little food at a time, only a handful? So I took only a little food at a time and my body became extremely emaciated. My limbs became like the jointed segments of vine stems or bamboo stems. My backside became like a camel hoof. My spine stood out like a string of beads. My ribs jutted out like the jutting rafters of an old rundown barn. The Buddha thought, whenever Brahmins or people who contemplate in the past, present, and future have felt this pain and piercing feeling due to their striving. That's the utmost. But with this practice, I haven't attained and nobody has attained any superior human state, any distinction in knowledge or vision worthy of the noble ones. Could there be another path? Now, I just summarized that. Those weren't his exact words, but it gives a good indication of where he was in his life at the time. Now, this is from my experience as well. 
it's important on the spiritual path to get enough rest and relaxation to recharge the mind and the body. This helps stabilize the ground for more spiritual growth without getting burnt out like the Buddha did. Fluctuations on the spiritual path are normal. For example, I had a business, well I still have a business, but now I'm taking a lot more time to rest and recharge rather than working like crazy six or seven days a week just to, I don't know, make more profit. And I take more time for spiritual contemplation and growth and this gives me a steady amount of fuel where I don't have to look too far into the future and I don't have to go back into my semi-destructive path where I was overdoing it and the results have been pretty good. So when we veer off the path, whatever path it is in our awakening process, it's not really our fault, but it's due to the habits that we've accumulated since the beginning of our life. So did you ever hear the saying that once something is seen, it cannot be unseen? That helps remind me and it can help remind you that the path is always available to get back onto. So the Buddha would say that any veering off the path is due to any one of the five hindrances or mental formations that appear. These are desire, ill will, dullness of mind, worry, and doubt. If we become too focused on these habits, which we all have, so you don't have to feel bad anymore, they can just take our attention and we slip away with them. That's how easy it is for our habitual mind patterns to take control. But since these are all mental formations, meaning that they are not real, we can catch ourselves when we fall into them and begin to create a new habit and get back where we really want to be. It's easier said than done because we've formed a lifetime of this, but remember, it's never, ever, ever too late to change in body, speech, or mind. I think this is the most difficult thing to master in our culture here in the West because on one hand we know we are not just our body but on the other hand we don't know that we're also not just our mind. We put too much emphasis on the mind and we let it take control and then we're in this cycle of doing too much saying the wrong things, feeling bad about ourselves, and all this other stuff, when really we have to work with our body and our mind to bring them into a cohesion where we can feel fulfilled while on the spiritual path and not lacking. So an example of this is we know that we can strengthen the body to be able to enjoy life in the way that we like. So if we enjoy climbing mountains or taking long walks, perhaps we have to get in better shape after a while of bad habits to be able to perform this action. So that's the body obeying the mind. However, when we challenge one part of our mind <laughs> 
to obey another part of our mind, that's where it can get a little bit tricky. So we can develop the body through the mind, but we have to find a way to develop the mind through the mind, or what I call the subtle mind or intuitive force that tells us when we're doing something right and when we're doing something wrong. And that can vary a lot from person to person and situation to situation and culture to culture. So it's not across the board, one thing is right and it's very black and white. No, this is inside each individual. And we have to be subtle enough to recognize this. And it's not going to happen in one day. It's happening gradually. So don't get in a fluffy flurry. Uh, just learn to recognize and pay attention to it when you can. And eventually you'll be able to listen to that inside and become more happy and peaceful and tranquil. I believe anyway that everybody wants deep down to be happy, peaceful, and okay. And if you feel that way too, then start listening to your inner self. The other thing is when we follow our whims, which is what our culture tells us to do, then we never really feel settled or peaceful. This is another part of the mind. So say today I'm having a bored moment, so I decide I want to go get my nails done. And then I go and do that, and I have these beautiful nails. And I'm like, wow, and I'm thinking for a few hours about my lovely purple and blue nails. And then in about five days, I forget about them. And I'm, <laughs> it was a transient passing experience that helped me get through that moment in that day. But that is the dissatisfaction or dukkha the Buddha is talking about. That's like on a micro level. So instead of following every whim that comes into our head to get out of the feeling of dissatisfaction or dukkha, we can stay with it and recognize it for what it is. And then we can learn more about ourself and what is the root of this whim? Is it boredom? Is it fear? Is it passion? Is it aggression? Is it something somebody said to us? Like, I'm not a psychologist, but I know that sometimes uh, an idea or a voice can come into my head or somebody else's head about their upbringing. Oh, my mom would have really been proud of me if I did this. So, and you have a little story about it. Is it that? Could be anything. But to be aware of it is really important to gain some peace so that over time we can sit with our feelings without chasing so much. And it creates a distance between what we think we want and need and what we really want and need. So that's that. I think this is sort of akin to this whole thing about ego. Spiritual people and Buddhists like to talk about ego. So I have a long time in between 
awakening and contemplating these things to really break apart what is this ego is it is it part of me is it just a concept is it just a word I've picked up and now I use it what is it and the thing that I've learned and hopefully this helps you too is that in order to jump over the ego mind or the part of you that is in the illusion, in the delusion, first you have to have a healthy one. If you don't have a healthy one, then you will really struggle. And I speak from personal experience. I can tell you about this. About four years ago, this was the second awakening experience I had in my life. The first one was in teenagehood and the second one, this was in my adult life. So I got a glimpse of liberation and what that means, what it entails. And my mind quickly jumped into the chasing of that attainment or goal. And I don't blame myself. This is just what happened. So as soon as I jumped into that and I started following my mind, it brought up a volcano of all of my shadow side. All of the badness that is in me, all the shadows, all the hang-ups I have, my past, my, oh, it, it, it was a mess for a while. Still a little bit messy, but I'm working on it. So this is a retaliation of your ego or your, your mind and how it likes to think and protect itself against liberation. And because my ego wasn't strong enough to be able to deal with it, it just took a hell of a lot longer to be able to see from a distance than it would have otherwise. So it's commonly referred to as, quote unquote, the dark night of the soul. So spiritual liberation isn't all happiness and flowers and rainbows and unicorns. Although I wish it was because those are super cute and super cool. But... The mind brings a lot of shadow to us. And I'm actually thankful for this because better sooner than later, in my opinion. But actually, now that I reflect, I think it's better to develop a healthy ego and be at peace in your own mind before trying to drop your unpeaceful mind because that can create just a longer stream of pain and suffering than you should have to deal with. So that's why it's important to love yourself. Love yourself. There's a lot of ways of going about what this means, but it means, I think, don't beat yourself up. Look at your, when a bad part of you comes up or bad thoughts arise, just think of them and be like, eh, everybody has these. It's, it's nothing terrible. You're not different. You're not wrong. 
you're not inhumane. You are in fact human. And this is what happens to a human being. If it happened to you, if you had this thought, if you had this feeling, if you had this experience, that means that it was somehow real, not real enough to break your spirit or really break you, but it was legitimate. And we can legitimize every human being on this planet for being human with their positive, negative, and dark and light qualities. So don't beat yourself up for your dark qualities. And also, in addition to loving yourself, I would encourage staying with feelings of that you consider unsettling because then they sort of like they get broken it's like you're standing with a basket of sand through one of those sifters like a flower sifter or something and you have all this sand and it's all hard and wet and you're like carrying it and you're like what am I supposed to do with this and then somehow you start to shake it and you realize I can break this sand up and from the wet hard sand in the movement of your body in the the small little change you just made you're breaking the sand up and it's sifting through and it's not really a big deal and then you can let it go and drop it so those are my recommendations if you're going through the dark night of the soul or if you have some small or big bad habits that you just want to break up. Listen, again, everybody is in the same boat. We're all human. So you can you can count on me. You can count on your friends. You can count on your family. And you can count on every other person on this planet. We're all in this together. Now, we won't be perfect today. And probably not tomorrow, but once we know our goal, which is unshakable liberation, and we take the right steps to get there without overstepping, without beating ourselves up, and without not listening to ourself from that tranquil, inner, peaceful place, then... Yeah, that's, that's the highest attainment in the human kingdom. So I just want to say, and I'll end with a little mantra or prayer or poem or whatever you want to call it. And this is for everybody. May you be happy, may you be peaceful, and may you be free from suffering. May all beings be happy. May all beings be peaceful, and may all beings be free from suffering. May all non-human entities, like animals, devas, hungry ghosts, ascended masters, unseen spirits, higher beings of a higher vibration, lower beings of a lower vibration, and all aspects of planet Earth and all planets, galaxies, universes, and systems with organic and inorganic life be happy, 
be peaceful, and be free from all suffering. This is my greatest wish. Amen. Namaste.